Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Struggle Creates Strength. Struggle Creates Strength is a mental health platform exemplifying that everyone has a story. I always say that no two stories are the same, but every story has the potential to help someone else. On today's episode, we are joined by 20-year-old Michaela Jacobson. This is a podcast that personally means a lot to me as I've known Michaela for a very long time. She truly speaks to the fact that everyone has a story because personally, I never knew half of the things that she's been through. She's encountered suicidal thoughts, severe anxiety, and was also diagnosed with ADHD. She lives to tell the tale, and honestly, she shows nothing but strength and courage when sharing her story. I hope everyone enjoys, and I hope that you can also reach out to her because she's an amazing person who has an amazing story. Also, this podcast is sponsored by Raincoast Clothing. Raincoast Clothing is a clothing company based out of Vancouver Island, Canada. They represent nature by embracing adventure, spontaneity, and health, both physical and mental. They've recently decided to join my mental health movement and donate 5% of profits from every item of clothing towards mental health awareness. Also, we have collaborated and created a Struggle Create Strength t-shirt, which has 100% of profits going towards mental health awareness. Go to raincoastclothing.com and help support mental health while getting yourself some great clothes. Now, I hope you enjoy Michaela Jacobson's story and just realize that everyone has a story. Hi, Michaela. Hi. How are you? And how are you? I'm good. I honestly, I can't say that I thought the next time I'd see you would be on a mental health podcast with me. But... I know. <laughs> I texted my friend earlier. I was like, "Guess what I'm doing?" And she's like, "Shut up. No way." It's it's <laughs> it's, it's surprise. I'm nervous. <laughs> Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. It's literally just two people having a conversation about something that's really important. And first and foremost, I obviously just have to thank you for coming on and thank you for reaching out. It's super amazing anytime anyone reaches out and especially when it's somebody that I know really well. Yeah. Um, I'm just super honored. So thank you for that. Oh, well, thank you so much for like creating this platform. Like it's so important and I like coming to terms like with the things that I struggled with like if there's a podcast like this like when I was like going through it and dealing with it and feeling like so alone like I don't think it would have taken me as long to get help so if this yeah. helps then I'm all it well it'll help it'll help a lot of people and I know that for a fact and I know this one for me anyways is super exciting because I think like you're a very well-known person in, within Kelowna and mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that is going to be awesome because a lot of people, I know even for myself, like I never thought you were gone through anything. And, yeah, like, and that's, and that's, the, the, that's thing, the response right? I got a lot. They're like, what? And I was like, yep. <laughs> so. Exactly. And that's literally what this podcast is all about. It's just proving that anyone and everyone has some form of a story and yeah it's something super extreme or something very municipal it's still there and there's always going to be mental health struggles and yeah so it's awesome having you here and awesome having you on and I'm super excited for it I'm so happy to be here (laughs) awesome so um I know like we talked a little bit and um you so you were saying that your mental health didn't or I guess you weren't necessarily diagnosed with something until just a few years ago. Do you kind of want to touch on that and touch about how that actually affected you and your life and if it made sense at the time or if it was just kind of a big shocker? Yeah. Um, so my story 
telling it, it it's kind of messy because it kind of like to fully understand it like there's kind of like a background story and it, it, it kind of jumps over the place but so basically Christmas of so Christmas break of December 2018 when I was coming back from my Christmas break from my first year of university I was like holy like I I have ADHD I was like I'm like it like that part wasn't a surprise because my mom has ADHD and my dad has ADD so like I'm genetically loaded for it um but I didn't read because like growing up all through high school like I didn't struggle in school at all like school came very easily to me in high school so it, it never really was an issue mm-hmm. um especially like living with my parents and having them kind of like scaffold me and just kind of help me and like kind of like, like get your stuff done <laughs> um like that I it never noticed it and then kind of like growing up with two parents that have it I almost like it almost made it seem like ADHD like wasn't a thing for me I was like oh my parents have it and they're fine like it's not a thing like I didn't realize that it can actually be super hard to deal with um so backing track to first year first semester I for one I took an incredibly hard course load because I didn't know any better. I was in chemistry, biology, uh, kinesiology course, and statistics, and every single one of those had a lab as well. So I was basically in eight classes. On Mondays, I was in school from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. at night, um, and I was a varsity soccer player. So like it, I, I had no idea. I was like, oh yeah, like this was so easy in high school. Like I'll be fine. Um, that wasn't the case. Like my first biology test, I got 55%. Like it was not good. And my grades were not good at all. And it was just such a struggle that way. And I'd find myself kind of like sitting in class and being like telling myself to focus on what the instructor or what the professor was saying and I'd be like so caught up in telling myself to focus that I wasn't actually focusing. I was just like, focus, like, what's he saying? Focus, focus. And I'd be like, oh my God. Now I'm focusing on telling myself to focus. Or like something would move and I'd be like, what's that? I'm like, what are they looking at? I'm like, well, what's she drawing? Like, you know, like it was just like every little thing. I was like, I wonder where you got that hat. Like it was just so, my brain was a scrambled egg. Like it was all over the place. So I get home. Christmas break I'm like I can't do another semester like this like I'm going to fail like not a joke I won't make it through my first year like I can't do it right now I don't have the skill set I don't have the tools available to me because I hadn't developed them before university and like ADHD can be a very manageable thing when you have that skill set and those tools practiced and available to you Mm -hmm. but if you don't like good luck Charlie honestly (laughs) um so I went and thank goodness. So both my parents are psychiatric nurses. Just want to like get that out in the air. So they, they were like, yeah, like we know you have ADHD. I was like, ah. So <laughs> I went to see a psychiatrist and it was anxiety had not once entered my radar, like at all. I was, I had always described myself as like a super like happy, outgoing like person. And it just never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the drive to the psychiatrist appointment, my dad was like, so what's really common with ADHD, especially in females, um, is anxiety. And he's like, so the doctor is going to ask you questions 
and it's probably going to involve anxiety and depression and things like that. And I just want you to answer honestly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like, that's weird. Like, why is he talking to me about this? Like, I don't have it. <laughs> I was like, so clueless. And so I get there and he's asking me these questions and I'm like, answering yes to them. And like, th- like, it caused me to look back on moments in my life previously that I paid no attention to and be like, oh, so that one time when I was 12 and didn't want to do a swim race and started hyperventilating and crying and couldn't be consoled for an hour, that was a panic attack. That's not, people don't have that, like, nor, like, on a a regular basis. Or, like, when I feel like when I'm super nauseous in the morning and can't brush my teeth, like, that's a physiological response to being anxious and like things like that. I had no idea. I thought that was something that everyone did. I thought everyone struggled to brush their teeth in the morning because they were trying not to throw up. Like I thought that was completely normal. And like, I had never talked about it before because I was anxious to talk about it because I didn't want people to think that I was a baby or a wimp or that I couldn't handle things that everyone else could handle. And people like, oh my God, like suck it up, you know? So he was like, yeah, like, did, did you know that you're a very anxious person? And I was like, nope, not until now. Not until you pointed out all these things. And like, I was like kind of naive to the fact that anxiety disorders were, were real, if we're being completely honest. Like I was also kind of in that mindset where I was like, everyone's stressed out, everyone has anxiety. And like to a point that is true and that's fair, but like not everyone has an anxiety disorder. Like that's very different. And I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. um so leaving that appointment I he asked me if I wanted medication for anxiety and I said no because up until that point I had been kind of like just doing my own thing like dealing with it like I didn't even I didn't think it was overly affecting me in a hugely negative way mm-hmm. I thought I could just kind of deal with it and I was anxious about the fact that I was starting one drug and I didn't want to I was like okay I don't really want to be leaving here with all these pills all of a sudden like that made me nervous and I didn't want to feel like abnormal so went started my ADHD medication my first medication I was on was Vyvanse Mm -hmm. um, and I went up to 50 milligrams the highest dose you can can get is uh, sorry it's my dog The (laughs) the highest dose you can get is 60 and both my parents are on 60 milligrams so I was like okay seems like a pretty good fit Mm-hmm. Um, what was hard with Vyvanse and the reason I'm no longer on it now is because I stopped eating mm-hmm. and that's just, that's one of the side effects and it, it should go away for me. It didn't, I stopped eating and I lost about, tw- like I was skinny. I lost about 20 pounds. And this is while I was working out five times a week and playing two games every weekend. So like I was losing weight quickly I was the smallest girl on my team at that point given my height to body weight ratio and you're you're gonna get destroyed in university soccer if you're (laughs) not like you know so that so then my soccer started to go downhill because I did not have energy I wasn't eating I was like it just really wasn't going well in that physical aspect and another side effect with Vyvanse is anxiety and on top of it like so I was like great so my anxiety started to be heightened 
by school, by soccer, by my medication that was supposed to be helping me. And then by how bad I was feeling about myself, everything kind of just starts to like pile on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And I started to get really sad. And at that time as well, while my grades were kind of getting better, other aspects of my life were not, like they were getting worse. Um, the soccer environment that I was in, I love my team. I'm so grateful for my team, but other aspects of it, I don't want to say anything like too specific because I want to get in trouble, <laughs> but other aspects of it were very toxic. And so after my first year, about three girls left the team due to mental health issues. Um, I got home that summer and I couldn't look at my cleats. I couldn't even think about a soccer ball. I started crying every time I thought about it because like things that happened on that practice field and in those change rooms, nothing to do with my teammates, just making that clear. Things that happened in those change rooms on that practice field during games, like they destroyed me as a person, like my self-confidence, my self-esteem was completely shattered. Mm -hmm. I went from being like a good soccer player and a good athlete and like knowing that about myself to like, nothing to feeling like I was a house player like it was so bad it destroyed me um anyway so back to the summertime uh I still had to play so I could like keep up my skills and fitness and stuff like that but I played on a team at based out of Penticton and every drive to the, the my soccer um practice and on the way home I was bawling because I was like I can't do this I was so upset and I hated it so much but I needed my scholarship and I needed to stay on my team I didn't want to lose the social aspect of it I didn't want to feel like a quitter mm-hmm. and, and like also I it, it almost like felt like I was losing a piece of my identity because I've been playing this sport since I was five years old and it's always been like what I've been good at that's always like who I've been known as and I didn't want to lose that and it wasn't until my soccer coach from that summer team pulled me off the field because I started crying mid game, pulled me off the field. And he's like, why are you crying? And I was like, cause I'm so bad. I'm horrible. Like I'm so bad at the sport. And he's like, he, he didn't know what to do. He, he's this like middle-aged man. He's gone to this 19 year old bawling her eyes out, <laughs> like just losing it. And he's like, he, he stopped me, he grabbed me by the shoulders and he looked, like, looked me in the eye, stared into my soul and was like, do you like yourself? And it was at that moment that like, it made me break down even more because it was that moment that I noticed that something was seriously wrong because for the first time in my life, my answer to that question was no, I hate myself. And I didn't say that to him. I was like, yeah, but in my mind, I was like, no, like you don't, like you hate yourself. Mm-hmm. and that was really hard and I didn't go back to soccer for the rest of the summer after that I was done I didn't play one at all I wasn't doing my fitness testing I wasn't doing my workouts I wasn't doing anything mm-hmm. so then I get back to preseason the next season and I'm so out of shape I have no motivation I'm still so sad and so in the, like in this horrible place with myself coming to coming to terms with and like having that realization that I'm not happy when I've always been like this happy bubbly person like that was a really hard thing for me I'm so sorry my dog is squeaking (laughs) um so so second year was so much worse because 
I was worse. I wasn't as confident. I wasn't playing well and I got benched. I was almost a red shirt. And in my first year I got probably, I played in every single game. I started a few and like as a first year, like that's not really like a thing um, for varsity sports, like for people that don't know, like that, like usually you're a red shirt or you're, you're benched in your first year. Cause you're experienced, you're learning from older girls. Um, but so I played a lot in my first year for being a first year. And then second year I was benched and I was like devastated because all my friends were still getting playing time. They were still doing super well. And I was just like there just on the sidelines. And it was embarrassing. Like when friends would come to watch and I just be sitting there and everyone else would be playing. Like I, that was really hard for me because it was, I just thought it was super embarrassing. And um, so partway through my second year, um, I started to think about ending my life. And this sounds so stupid, like it was over a sport, but it, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't just that, like that definitely piled on top of it, but it, it was so much more than that. It was just like, my anxiety getting to an all-time high because like one with my medication as a side effect also my medication it like side effects were like irritability so I was like I got angry really quickly like I had such a short fuse so then my friends and like my relationship started to suffer because people were like oh my god like why are you being so mean and I was like this isn't me but like holy crap like I couldn't be around people I just hated like everything made me so upset. Um, so it was just kind of everything piling on top of each other. And I just, yeah, I, start, I started to think about ending my life because the thing with that also though that I wanna say is that when I was thinking about suicide, like it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily because I wanted to die. It was because I felt so trapped and I didn't know what to do. And that was kind of like the only thing I didn't see. I only saw things getting worse and I'd never been in this, in this spot before. And it was kind of, it it honestly seemed like the only end because like, it felt like I was just trapped in this body that I hated. Like looking in the mirror was a struggle because I saw even though I was the like lightest weight in my life, I saw someone who was fat, who was ugly, who was unmotivated, who was like, just like not a person that I wanted to be. And it just like, I really struggled with my self image. And it was, oh my God, just like, just kind of like reliving it. Like it was so hard and that just seemed like the only like real thing because I was like I don't see myself like I'm not getting better I'm just getting worse and I don't want to feel worse and it's it just felt like I was so trapped and it felt like I was just trapped in my own body and this body that I hated and this being this person that I hated and then it kind of got to the point where I wasn't talking to anyone um, I didn't want to see my friends uh, I was so just like holed up in my room. Like I started making excuses to not go to soccer, to not go to workouts anymore, to not 
go to class like I would sleep all day because that was another thing is I just felt so exhausted like the simplest things such as like getting up to brush my teeth or like have a shower like that took so much energy um, I started eating even less than I was eating before and I literally would just sit in my room and that was it and cry a lot <laughs> and I would just sit in my room um I would, wouldn't do homework until it was like the last night or I just wouldn't do it like it was just going so downhill and then there was one time I remember specifically it was away on a team trip we are in Edmonton and we were having a really tough time as a team just with things going on um so a few of us just like left the hotel <laughs> just left <laughs> we went for a walk <laughs> I think we went to Tim Hortons and we just sat in Tim Hortons and had this huge like rant gossip session and we passed a train track and it was on the way back that we had to like stop because the train was coming and I was like I wonder what I would do in this situation if I was alone and like that scared me a lot because I was like I don't think I would have made it back to the hotel. If my teammates weren't there, I probably wouldn't be here today. Mm. And like, that sounds so horrible. Like, even like listening to myself talk about it, like I'm minimizing it. And like, I feel like this sounds so stupid, but like, that's how I was feeling. It's not stupid at all. <laughs> Cause I've been there like to a <laughs> So like, I, yeah, like I can 100% relate to this. So just yeah, like, it's not stupid. <laughs> just yeah, continue, <laughs> sorry. Um, so we were just sitting there and like, when like my eyes started tearing up, like I couldn't talk because I was about to start bawling my eyes out because I was like, literally wanted to throw myself in front of that freaking train. And I was like, thank God there are people here because otherwise like probably would have done it. And like going on from that, like, I'd always just think about like at nighttime, I would be like, oh yeah, that's another thing. I stopped sleeping. I was, there was about two like except during like I'd sleep during the day like I'd be up all night um I would I'd be up until like 4 a.m and then I'd have a 6 a.m workout so that just didn't go well <laughs> and then I'd have classes all day so eventually I just like stopped sleeping all together I was up all night and while I was up like I was literally just lying in bed thinking about because in so where I go to school in Lethbridge there's like this huge huge train bridge I think it's the longest or biggest bridge in North America uh, it's massive and in my first year I remember my friends from my local friends there took us up there and like there are all these like suicide prevention signs and stuff because it's such a high point and it goes over a river and like people would use that to take their lives and I was like I wonder like so I had always just like lie in bed awake just thinking like I wonder if I could remember the walk and like in my head I would like plan out and I'd like think about how to get there because like I didn't have a car there so I was like it was also the middle of winter and it was like minus 40 degrees outside it was so cold so I was like trying to remember the route because I was like I just want to go I just want to go and I that's what I spent my time doing was just thinking about how it would feel to like just be on that bridge and like you know jump off and you know, just like be up there and stuff and like that was my thought that was my um train of thought and my feelings and like my visualize visualize visualizations <laughs> for probably 
I want to say around two months straight every single night. Um, and it kind of got to the point where I was like, because keep in mind, like, I didn't want to die. I just wanted to not be in, I just didn't see things getting better. I didn't want to talk to anyone. And, but it finally got to the point where I was like, so I'm either going to do it or I'm going to talk to someone. Mm-hmm. And so there was a girl on my team who I knew struggled with things like that previously. And I, I was like, can I please talk to you? And she was really helpful and so understanding and so nice. And I told her and she's like, Kai, like this, she's like, you have two options right now. Like you can either take the road to help or you go down the dark road. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I went down the dark road before and I was super lucky that it didn't work. Um, so the, you're at a fork in the road. These are your two choices. She's like, I went and saw a therapist and I got help and here I am today. I'm back on the team. I'm back. I'm so much better than I was before. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. So I, it took me six months. I'm not kidding. It took me six months to build up the courage to get a doctor's appointment because well, one, I didn't want to just go to a counselor because I was too scared that someone was going to see me going into the counselor's office and be like, my God, she's seeing a counselor. Like, I just thought that was going to be the end of the world, that people would know that something was wrong. And that was like, I didn't want that to happen at all. I'd only told one person about this. Mm-hmm. So I was like, counselor's not an option. Even though this this room, this counselor's room is in the quietest building in the basement. And I was like, my teammates are gonna see me. Someone from a different team is gonna see me. They're gonna tell the whole athletics department. Everyone's gonna know that I'm having these thoughts. And I'm like, in reality, like, no, one, no one's gonna see you. It's in a freaking basement that no one goes to. Also too, they wouldn't even know that. Cause you haven't like, it was so, I was just so out. Yeah. Um, so I made this doctor's appointment. And I was sitting there and I was sweating so much. Like, oh my God. And I go into like this room and this nurse lady, I don't know what she was. I think she was a nurse, brings back this um, sheet for me to fill out. And like one side, it was like anxiety questions. It was just like your typical, like kind of testing, like on a scale of one to five, what are you feeling, blah, blah, blah. And so one side was anxiety, the other side was depression. And I knew I had anxiety. And at this point I was like, yeah, probably like, I don't know. I just like did not want to admit it to myself at all. And so I went through the anxiety thing and everyone was, every single box was five, 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 five. And then I got, I flipped it over and I was like, I started crying, started breaking down because it was something that was like so surreal to me to see my emotions and my feelings like put into words and have a physical copy of it, like to look at. Mm-hmm. it would it just made it seem so much more real and to like yeah like this is actually like you're not just crazy like this is a thing um and I got to the very bottom question and like at this point I didn't tell anyone about like my suicidal thoughts um so the last question was about that and I answered I re-answered that question probably five or six times because I'd write and I was like no she's gonna know and I'd erase it and I'd be like okay yeah, it's, it's a three. And I'm like, no, she's going to judge me, but it's a zero. And I like, I kept her and going back and forth. So, and I was like, okay, tell the freaking truth. Mm-hmm. I still didn't tell the truth. I'll be completely honest with you there. I put it like a little bit lower than it should have been, but anyways, higher than I wanted to admit. 
And she comes in and she looks at it and she's like, oh, like, you're pretty anxious, right? And I was like, yeah. And I told her what my psychiatrist in Kelowna said and all these things. And I was like, he, when I had my ADHD diagnosis last year, he mentioned that I could possibly get medication for my anxiety. And she's like, well, I'm not your psychiatrist in Kelowna. And I was like, okay. And she's like, so is it mainly anxiety or depression? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I'm not the doctor. But I was like, I think mainly anxiety, but it's getting worse. This is why I'm here because I don't want it to get much worse. Like it's getting bad. Um, and then she asked me about like suicidal thoughts. And I was like, yeah, it happens sometimes. And I'm like, no, it happens every single night for the past two months. But she was like, well, have you tried talking to your friends about it? And I was like, uh, no, because I'm an anxious, I'm so anxious. Like, I don't want people to know. Like, what do you mean every time talking to my friends? Like, no. Also, my friends aren't therapists. I'm sorry, but they're also second year university students who they don't, they are not trained to help me or to answer it. Like, yes, support from your friends is so incredibly important. But when you are at this stage and need this help, like your friends most likely are not trained or well equipped to give you that help. Mm-hmm. So I was so angry. I was so mad. I was like, no. And she's like, well, what about your parents? And I was like, no. And just like a side note on that, I didn't want to talk to my parents about it because they're going back to like them both being psychiatric nurses. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want them to think that they failed as parents, that to have a mentally ill child. Like they deal with mentally ill children and adolescents all day. And I was like, they, I don't want them to think that they failed because of all people, like I should be the one that's completely fine. Like I have this access to these amazing mental health nurses and professionals. And here I am like, what's wrong with me? I don't want them to think that they messed up because they absolutely did not. And I was like, no, like, I do not want to talk to my parents. And she's like, what about a counselor? And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I'm not in that point where I can talk to people yet. I was like, I started crying. And she, you know what? She she was like, I don't want you. She's like, why are you getting upset with me? I don't want you to get upset with me. And I was like, cause you're not listening. You're not like it, that my biggest fear about going to a doctor like came true in that instant where I was like she doesn't believe me she thinks I'm faking it she doesn't think Mm -hmm. this is real I'm not gonna get help like I was so upset and I felt so defeated and I just started crying (laughs) so hard and she was just like I don't know why you're getting mad at me I don't and I was like oh my god like how did you anyways I ended up somehow making it out of there with a prescription for anti-anxiety medication. Thank God, I'm not kidding, that was my lifesaver. Like that little pill bottle, I absolutely think it saved my life, 100%. Mm-hmm. And it was a roller coaster getting to that point and looking back on it now, like I wish, like I could have just had that help so much sooner, I feel like. But it was just, it's when you're feeling that low and you're in that dark of a place and you're struggling with both the anxious thoughts of you don't want anyone to know, you don't, even though you know that getting help is what's going to get you out of it and what's going to make you feel better, 
you're just so, or at least I was just so incredibly caught up on the fact that I didn't want people to think I was weak, that I was faking it. I didn't want people to be like, oh, everyone has anxiety. Everyone goes through this. Like you just can't handle it. Like I just, that, and like still things like that to this day, like, yes, I have the pills, but pills don't really like fully help with it. Um, there's still like skills you need to learn to be able to deal with it, which is like getting better. But it was just, I was so overwhelmed with all of these thoughts that it was going to ruin my life the minute that people found out that it was like, it took so long to be, and then the whole doctor's appointment where she basically was just like, eh, what do you want me to do about it? Go talk to someone. And I was like, but so the pills ended up really helping. So this is kind of like one story, but I really just, if you're okay with this, I really just want to go into what my anxiety was like. Absolutely. Um, so it, it, it bugs me now when people are like, oh, I'm feeling so anxious and like stuff like that. I'm like, like sometimes I'm like, oh, you have any, I was like, oh, when were you diagnosed? And like, oh no, I don't actually have it. I'm like, hey, why are you saying that? Then? Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, I have my anxiety. I'm like, um, but so it got to the point where I'd be sitting in class and I'd have my like notebook out and I looked at my notebook. I looked at my neighbor's notebook. I looked at my other neighbor's notebook and everyone in front of me and everyone behind me, I looked and all their notebooks were different than mine. I was the only one that had one like mine. It was like a hard cover. Everyone else had like the soft cover, like whatever. And I was like, well, time to go burn it. time to go buy 10 of those notebooks because everyone's going to stare at you. Everyone's going to be like, Oh my God, what is that? Why are you using that? Like it was a freaking notebook. And I like lost, I like almost my face. I started feeling my face getting red. I started sweating. I started like shaking. I was like, Holy shit. Everyone's going to be talking about me. Um, or I'd have my laptop out and I'd be like typing away, taking my notes. And I'd be like, wait, no one, no one else is typing. I was like, everyone else is like on their phone. I was like, does everyone else know this already? And I'm the only one that doesn't know this. Why am I the only one taking notes? So I just stopped taking notes. I was like, I don't want people to think I'm stupid because I don't know it already. This is university (laughs) biology. Like it's not simple stuff. (laughs) Like people don't just know it. And I was like, So I just stopped taking notes, wouldn't take notes in class anymore. I would have my laptop out, but I wouldn't be doing anything because I didn't want people, like I literally thought people were gonna be like, how'd she get into university? She's so stupid, she doesn't know this. So I wouldn't take notes. There, uh, I stopped wearing certain pairs of shoes because I thought they made too much noise um, and people would look at me. I had a constant fear that there was a spider in my hair. I don't know why, or like something in my hair. I'd always be touching my hair in class trying to fix it because I was like, people are gonna be taking Snapchat videos of me. I'm gonna get posted on Ulef Wilden as this girl who had stuff in her hair during class. I was like, people are gonna, I'm gonna become this huge laughingstock because people are gonna be like, oh my God, she has something in her hair. So I would always be like, fix my hair, which would bring more attention to me because they're like, oh, is she okay? Why is she moving so much? <laughs> and then, um, oh my God, this one gets me. So winter time in Southern Alberta is very cold time. And my parents 
bless their hearts, they bought me this like brand new parka. So that I would stay nice and cozy. It was up, it was like good up to minus 40, all this stuff. And I refused to wear it because I didn't, I would wear like a long sleeve shirt outside or like a little hoodie. And that was it because I was like, people are, I was like, people are used to this. I was like, I'm the only one that's going to be wearing a jacket. Like everyone else is going to be like, oh my God, why is she wearing that huge parka? Like, it's not that cold out. It was minus 15. Like it was freaking cold. And I was scared that people were going to think that I was being a wimp for wearing a jacket in the winter time. I was like, everyone's going to talk about me and be like, why is she wearing that jacket? It's not even that cold. I like, these were like the thought processes, like, oh my God, <laughs> we're just like, it changed every single thing. It changed what I wore, how I walked, what I ate, how I talked, like literally everything. And it was just so exhausting, like so <laughs> exhausting to have those thoughts and to change every little thing about you because you thought that you were just going to be ridiculed by the entire school by entire like I'm like it's not even middle school like it's university like no one cares and I knew that that was almost the worst part was my I had my rational side of my brain where I was like no one cares everyone is so focused on themselves nobody cares and then I had my other part of my brain that was like mm, but everyone does care you look like an idiot everyone's talking about you you should just stop going to school <laughs> like that was how I felt so and like going oh walking through the library was horrible that was my biggest fear was walking through the freaking library printing something like anything like things I needed to do like oh my god I would like sit outside the library for probably 10 minutes planning my route that I was going to walk the fastest way to get to where I used to go so that the least amount of people would see me just like in and out. And I would just sit there and plan and be like, okay. And if something went wrong, if any little thing to any of my plans went wrong, it was a breakdown. Like I started crying and I'd have like 10 backup plans for what I would do if my first plan failed. And if anything got thrown off, like I would just stay home that day. I was like, I can't do it. And it was exhausting. <laughs> so exhausting and that on top of ADHD where like I said like I always compare my brain to a scrambled egg when I'm not on my meds mm -hmm. um like there'd be times I'd be walking down the hallway and one of my friends I didn't have earphones in nothing like I was just walking but I yeah and just like daydreaming like la di da and like friends would try and get my attention like there was one time where my friend had to physically step in front of me and grab my shoulders and be like kai and i was like what what he's like i just called your name seven times from across the hallway and you ignored me and made me look like a complete idiot <laughs> i was like i didn't even hear you and like that's the thing is like i felt like an asshole because during conversations i would zone out like two minutes in and they'd get to the end like so what do you think and I'd be like I don't know what I think because I don't know what you just said <laughs> like I have no idea like it's like it's like your brain just turns off to the outside world and you can't hear anything you can't see anything <laughs> like oh my god I felt so bad for people that I was talking to oh and I'd always interrupt people and that's really rude people don't like it when you do that <laughs> but I just like I have a problem with it I can't help myself I because I feel like if I don't say it now it's just gonna get lost I'm never gonna be able to say it and I'm like mm, they need to hear what I have to say <laughs> so I yeah 
So just like the mix of the anxiety and the ADHD together was so exhausting. And I would like, I'd be trying to do my schoolwork and I'd be sitting there reading the same sentence probably 10, 15 times over and I still didn't know what it said. I'd be like, what? Am I reading gibberish? Like, why doesn't this make sense to me? Why can't I get these words to make sense in my brain? Like, do I have a reading comprehension? Like, this, like <laughs> so, and I'd be sitting there and I would like, I'm not kidding. I would have chunks of hair in my hands and it got to the point where I would like pull out my hair. Um, I pulled out my eyelashes. I pulled out my eyebrows, uh, my fingernails and my fingers just became little nubs that were like so like cracked just gross because like I just be sitting there trying like fiddling around with things pulling my hair and oh my god I needed like false eyelashes almost by the end because my face was like bald but I was like it just everything intertwined with each other it was just kind of like this never-ending cycle that just kept getting worse and worse and my ADHD would make my anxiety worse and my anxiety would make my ADHD worse and then I got sad and then I was anxious because I was sad but then I was sad because of ADHD it was just it was just like this really vicious cycle that I could not get out of and it was just oh my god like thinking about it now I'm like I don't know how I lasted that long without actually getting help if we're being completely honest like how did you like after the fact of obviously you getting your help and going on your anxiety meds like how did you find that like right away you stopped having those suicidal thoughts or did you like did it take some time and take some different efforts and have to kind of branch out and just really kind of really find yourself the proper help or was it just something that vanished over time like how did that all how did that all happen um it definitely didn't vanish over time um and what was really difficult with the medication because so I knew that there could be bad side effects with it um I didn't really know like to the extent really because I'd never experienced it before, obviously. So my first day taking it, I took, so they're 10 milligram pills. I took one 10 milligram pill. Um, and about half an hour after I took it, I felt like I was drunk. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> what the heck? Like my reaction time, I was, I remember I was walking along the sidewalk back cause so I was my dorm room, the highway and then Chopper's Drug Mart. So I would just walk to get my prescriptions. So I was walking along the highway back to my um, dorm room. And I was like, what, the f what's going on? Because I'd watch a car go by, but it was almost like it was like in like, like slow motion. And then I was like, luckily, like my boyfriend was there because I was like, I don't like, I need help like walking. It was so, it was the most strange feeling I think I've ever felt. And then we were about just down the road from my dorm room, like probably like two minutes away from my bedroom. And I was like, I'm going to throw up. And I was the most nauseous I've ever felt. And I, so I couldn't go to class that day um, or soccer or anything like that. Like I spent the whole morning just throwing up. And then I got panicky because I was like, what if I throw up the pill? Like shit. 
Um, so I spent the whole morning throwing up and I was in bed with the worst stomach pain I have ever felt like it was so I was like keeled into a little ball and like struggle like it hurt to breathe like it was so uncomfortable and so it was almost like a blessing in disguise that I had those really bad side effects because I was able to take time away from soccer and the toxic environment there and I was able to kind of take a break from school just to get through the side effect phase and just really focus on myself. Um, and looking back on it now, like I think just getting out of the environments that were making my that were making my anxiety worse and making me feel so freaking bad about myself, just actually being able to get away from that. I think even it was only for like a week and a half, but even that time away, just so I could like kind of reground myself and like, like talk about it and focus on myself and focus on feeling better. Like that was so incredibly helpful, even though I physically felt disgusting. Like it was so horrible. Um, oh and my doctor said, she was like, you're probably going to feel like crap, but it'll go away after about a week. And then we can see if it's actually going to take effect. So getting myself away from that environment was so incredibly helpful after the side effect oh and also I'm so thankful to have parents that I did or that I do have during that time because I couldn't just like make a doctor's appointment every single day and be like hey this like help so like with that um my parents were really helpful because they know these medications and they know these side effects and they know how to like um help the side effects and like what will make it better and what won't mm -hmm. so they I was able to turn to them so I ended up taking half a pill uh for a week and just to get my body used to it because it has to build up in your system mm -hmm. and then um from there I went to a full pill and that helped a lot I didn't feel like my insides were being ripped out of my body anymore <laughs> <laughs> so super thankful for them for that um, and this, the suicidal ideation, like absolutely did not go away right away. Like it, I was kind of like, it was almost like, I was so impatient. I was like, when's this going to freaking work? But like, that's the thing with medications like that is like, they need to build up in your system and they're basically retraining your brain. Um, so mine is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And so it's not that my brain isn't making enough serotonin, like it's the levels, my levels of serotonin are absolutely fine. Um, the issue in my brain is that it doesn't stay in the synaptic cleft long enough. It just gets reabsorbed too quickly. So it doesn't actually have any time to do its job whatsoever. It's just there and then it's gone. So with these, it actually, it's retraining my brain to slow down and let it do its thing and then reabsorb it. Um, I could be explaining that that's the best way not to explain it um oh, for sure. so for any medical people i'm so sorry if i butchered <laughs> that. but that's the best way i know how um which is also really nice because then with this medication i'm probably only going to be on it for like six months to a year i'm reaching month nine now mm -hmm. and it took about a month of being on it for me to be like feel like the dark clouds had lifted and be like I can like, whoa, like I feel like myself again. Mm -hmm. um, with that though, I was still taking my Vyvanse. So my anxiety levels were like 
through the roof. And so this medication was helping to bring it back down, but not to the extent it would have had I not been on that medication. Mm -hmm. And because uh, the Vyvanse was affecting my other relations, my other relationships so drastically, I was like, I just stopped taking it. Um, and that's when I noticed the biggest difference with my anxiety meds. And like, I was like, holy, like, I feel like myself again, like it was absolutely insane. Like there was still work that had to be done on my part um, with self-esteem and self-confidence because like that doesn't just come back. Like once that's gone, like it, you got to work on it. And I still am like still to this day, like I still need to work on that really badly. Like I still feel as though I'm very insecure with certain things but it, it has been getting better it's just kind of relearning those skills um that I once like would have taken advantage of mm -hmm. so it's still it's definitely a work in progress but had it not been for my anxiety pills like I don't think I ever would have been able to talk about any of this like at all before I couldn't even like think about it or think about talking to someone about it without like breaking down crying mm -hmm. like it took me six months to talk to a doctor about it. <laughs> so it's like, um, so I credit them with giving me the ability to get further help, um, to get me back to where I was before and to get me kind of like back on track. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. For me anyways, that's one of the biggest things that I've noticed as well. Like I've, I've gone on um, antidepressants before and I personally, I hated them. Like I went on two different kinds as well. And I don't know, like I just, I personally did not like them. And, but I've never been on like anxiety meds and like, and like I suffer from very severe anxiety. And like, I mean, a lot more people know that now I would say, but um, back, like even, I guess even now, like not everyone knows it. And a lot of people think that, I'm like me doing this means that I don't have my own issues and that I'm like a hundred percent, but still like to this day, like, I suffer from super severe anxiety and on a regular basis, it's just you, I know exactly like all those feelings that you explained. I know that to a T because mm -hmm. I'm the exact same way. And it's even if I have, cause like I have animals and if I have hair on my stuff like I'm like rubbing it off as much as I possibly can <laughs> I'm freaking out about it I'll take off my jacket and put something new on and then I'll realize that I have hair on my pants so I'll change my pants and it's yeah. people just don't realize like the everyday things um, when you have severe anxiety make it 10 times harder and like you said going to have a shower brushing your teeth all those things they can take a lot of energy out of you because just even one of the biggest things that I've noticed is when you have bad anxiety on a day-to-day -day basis, your energy level is not the same as somebody else. Like you can, you can run at the same level for probably like four to six hours. And then after that, you almost any, like myself anyways, I feel like I crash because mm -hmm. my brain's been racing for four to six hours and I just like have nothing left. And so by the end of the day, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I just yeah. can't do it. Like, it's just, it's too much. And that's, yeah. again, like, I think like, I'm just reverting back to what you said about when you would have those 
dark, like suicidal thoughts for two months. Like I've been in the exact same boat and that's like, so I know exactly how that feels. And I know there's a lot of other people that will listen to this or that have listened to other podcasts and they've been in that same boat as well. And I don't think people truly realize um, what it's like until you've been through it and you've been there. And so like for you, when you talked about it, I just instantly, it brought me right back into where I once was. And I was sitting there, I'm like, wow. Like, and you saying that it's hard to talk about it. I can't, like, I can't believe it that this even happened. That's exactly how I feel anytime that I like share my story and share the things that I've been through. Because there's a lot of times when I sit there and I'm like, how on earth did you get there? Like, and then, but you still have like those thoughts like every now and again. And it's, it's not even, I heard this one guy who is super motivational. He was talking about it and he said, it's not that these thoughts ever go away. It's just, you find a new way to cope with them or to deal with them and push them aside. And so it's like, yeah, you might still get these suicidal thoughts every now and again, but you just know that you're never, ever going to do it. And you're never going to do something like that severe. Yeah. And you know how to deal with it. And even for myself, when I think back on my own story and I think back to those suicidal thoughts, you just, it almost takes you by surprise and you, you look at it and it's, it's like, it's really sad when you think about that, like something that you've gone through, like I 100% never would have known any of that, never would have guessed any of that. And just the fact, again, that you're sharing this with everyone and especially myself, like I'm just, I'm so honored. Like me being able to hear this firsthand is, yeah, it just blows me away. And I I cannot say thank you enough for that. Um, But one of the questions that I have is what would be kind of like one the biggest tip of advice that you could have for somebody that is either struggling with mental health or will struggle with mental health at some point in their life? Um, so I kind of have two pieces on this, if that's okay. Um, just for people that, or anyone that's kind of in like a spot where they were like really struggling with it, but kind of feel themselves getting better. And they're like, oh, like, I can see the light. Like, this isn't, I don't feel these thoughts anymore. I don't feel this way about myself anymore. Like, things are getting better. One thing I really, really, really want to stress is that recovery, I don't know what the word, I just, for lack of better terms, recovery, it's not a linear process at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is just based, this is, this happened a week ago. (laughs) Like, this happened a week ago. Um, I had an extremely dark night and I thought about there's a mountain I live at the base of a mountain and I thought about going up there and jumping off and just I was like that's it I'm done these thoughts are back it's over I'm not doing this again and I was able to like I I I had a doctor's appointment the next day and I was like she was like have you had any of these thoughts recently I was like yep literally last night and it was during that moment like it was so intense and it was so 
vivid and it was just so like surreal and I was just like oh my it was it was so shocking it shook me to my core that I had that thought again Mm -hmm. and it almost like that almost made it 10 times worse because I was like I'm never gonna get better it's happening again it's gonna be like this for however long again like it it was so just shocking and I just want everyone listening to this if you are getting better and recovering and feeling better about yourself like it's not linear you're not just on this straight line and then you're ah I took a pill I'm all better now woo like no it doesn't work like that like you're still it sucks but like you're still gonna have those bad days and it's it's still you're still gonna have hard times sometimes but it's so important to just remember that it's temporary and it's not going to last forever. You're not going to feel that way forever. And just don't choose a permanent solution to something that's going to resolve itself. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, um, if you are kind of wanting to reach out and you're feeling trapped and you don't know what to do and stuff, this kind of this piece of advice comes from my doctor's appointment that I had and it's you need to be even though it's so hard going through it it's so incredibly difficult and you feel like you're the lowest you've ever been you meet if you're at that stage where you're getting help like you need to be your biggest advocate you need to fight for yourself and you need to fight for your well-being because I had to fight for myself in that doctor's appointment if I didn't push her and if I didn't like say like, I need this medication to be able to get like, this is my only solution right now. Like Mm -hmm. the only one that doesn't involve upsetting a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Like you need to fight for it. Like, you know, yourself, like maybe you don't have 12 years of, or eight years of medical school. That's fine. You know, your body better than anyone else. You know what you're experiencing. Like they can like you 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 know what's best for you and in my situation there like I knew that like medication was the best solution for me to ever be able to get other access to other resources and you just you need to be your biggest advocate and you need to be a warrior for yourself mm-hmm. yeah both of those are both those are amazing and I just want to speak I'm actually going to speak on both of those so <laughs> the first one 100% agree that getting better is not linear. And I, like you said that you've noticed that and I 100% have noticed that as well, but it's, it's super, what's the word? It's like, it's super, oh, I can't think of the word. It's just, it's It's super nice, I guess. It's nice when you, when you actually feel that you found yourself again, Mm -hmm. um, because you know that you can get there. Yeah. And one thing that I've noticed for myself is when I get there, there's always something that makes me slip back, Yeah. but it keeps me driving to get myself back to that point, find myself mm-hmm. again. And it's not easy whatsoever. It is always the hardest thing. And it's the most frustrating thing yep. because you just, you want to be like, when you find yourself and you're so good, you're so happy, you act like it's like the biggest weight lifted off your shoulders. Sure. And then as soon as you slip back, it it's is soul crushing. 
Oh my gosh, it is it's the worst feeling ever. It's but, devastating. Yeah, but one thing that I actually always say like on that note is once you found yourself and you slip back, I always find that getting back to yourself is way easier than the yeah. time before. Yeah. And it happens way faster than the time before. And although you might go through a rut and it might last a little while, it's, it might not be as bad as the last time. And yeah. it's just, it's always like, you're kind of going up levels. And I always just say, it's like two steps forward, one step back rather than two steps forward, three steps back. So you're always moving forward and you're always getting better. And yeah, you know what? It might be a battle that lasts a lifetime. But when you look at it at the end of your lifetime, you'll be far happier than you were kind of at the, the start of all your mental health struggles. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I guess just uh, the second one. Oh, what was the second one? Now I'm blanking. Oh, oh no. I forget too. <laughs> oh my God. ADHD. Oh my gosh. Yeah, literally. Oh my gosh. I think. Oh, be your biggest advocate yes okay and that totally (laughs) even even um like doing the whole like two steps forward one step back thing like that's even where like when you're finding yourself that's where it's so important to be your biggest advocate and like those two go hand in hand because if you don't believe that you can get better and you don't believe that you are getting better then you're not going to get better and it's just like 100 percent fighting for yourself fighting to get better and fighting to strive for just a better life in general. And it's doing, this is one of the biggest things that I've learned is it's doing or knowing what those things are that you need to do. And they might be so off the charts, crazy, but if you know that it's going to make you feel better or it's something that you think will help you move forward in the future, then it's what you have to do. And Mm -hmm. I know I mean, I've had several conversations with my psychiatrist about this, but one of the things is just looking at or kind of setting, setting goals for yourself and knowing where you want to be and where, like I always say, it's never look too far into the future, but it's important to set goals for the future. And for myself, maybe it's moving away somewhere for a while and getting away from things, or maybe it's, I don't even know, just doing something crazy, something spontaneous, something adventurous, because like, that's who I am. And it's knowing, it's knowing your identity and also like advocating your own mental health, like you said, and just really pushing forward. Yeah. Um, Sorry for the big rant, but (laughs) it's like, Um, I'm happy you brought up like the goals piece because like, it can be like like long term goal, but like even like one thing that I found like that was so incredibly helpful for help uh, helpful for me was just like even like little goals throughout the day, and it's like like even just having them like physically. And I always thought this was kind of stupid. It wasn't until I had a course where like you had to check off boxes like um, that. I was like, oh my god, this makes me feel so good about myself. And it's kind of something that I like try to do now is like just having little goals throughout the day because what like actually checking those off like you literally you get like these little dopamine hits and it's like that felt so good like it just it helps so much and then you feel productive and you get things done um and like having goals is so so important because like back when I was like I had zero goals I was just lying in bed 
sleeping during the day like that's all I did was sleep in the day and yeah so I think it's so important to keep yourself motivated like once you found your light again like oh it just like doing those little things to keep you happy and like keep that light glowing and burning so strong is so important absolutely no I totally agree and even sometimes it's like right now is a really hard time I would say for a lot of people to set all these big goals and um, have all these crazy aspirations that they want to follow. But there's so many little goals that you can do. Like you said, making your bed every day. Exactly. There's the littlest things. And even, yeah, exactly. Right on that note, making your bed in the morning, when you make your bed, you're just like, Oh, this maybe sometimes you're like, Oh, this sucks. I hate this. I just want (laughs) to I, will, I just want to like go eat breakfast or go get on with my day. Yeah. But then when you come back to your bed at night and you're like, oh, it's so, it looks so mm-hmm. nice. I just get to crawl into right? it. You like peel the sheets back. And exactly. You're like, so satisfied. Sometimes, okay, <laughs> this sounds so weird. Um, <laughs> sometimes like I won't make my bed like till nighttime. <laughs> just because I like that feeling of like when I actually get back into bed and like, peeling the covers back but it's like I love sleep so much like my mom equated me to a sloth the other day because of how much I like to sleep um so like I hate making my bed in the morning because that means I can't get back into bed later (laughs) so I will like not make my bed until later at night so I can like just have that satisfaction of like at one doing it and then two getting into bed again (laughs) that's hilarious um one or a couple of little things before we wrap it up but uh what would you say would be kind of a quote that's helped shape your life in some form or another um this is kind of funny because I don't know if you've ever heard of Mr. Rogers (laughs) he's like uh he's let me pull him up he's uh he's like this tv personality kind of um he was like the super like happy smiley guy like I don't know I remember just like from serving I had this customer come in and he talked to me for an hour about Mr. Rogers so that's how I know him now um and it's it's hat it's half of a full quote um and it's just that I think it relates super well to this whole like podcast theme in general mm-hmm. and it's when we can talk about our feelings, they become less overwhelming, less upsetting, and less scary. And I love that so much because when I wasn't talking about anything, that's when I felt the most trapped and like consumed by my thoughts. And that's when things kind of felt like they were like circling the drain and like I'd get myself so worked up. Um, but then and it, it felt like I needed to like scream. Like it just felt like I had all of this stuff pent up inside of me that was like trying, like clawing its way out. Like, mm. and then when I finally allowed, I just let go of, cause I was like, what do I have to lose at this point? And I just let go of that and talked about it. Oh my, it was like this, the clouds have cleared. The sun is shining, those weight is lifted off my shoulders like talking it sounds so cliche but just talk just talk just let it out you need to get it out even if you're talking to yourself you're gonna feel better even if no one's listening if you talk to your dog you have a stuffy like just talk just talk 
Absolutely. Yeah, I know for, well, for myself anyways, there is, I would always say that there is multiple different markers that would speak to that. And so for me, the first one was, the first one was taking my very first step to opening up to someone about the stuff that I've gone through. And um, there was at that point in time, I'd been through a lot of done self-harm. I'd like I've tried, like there was just a lot that had to be said. And so when I took that first step, that was a huge thing. And it was, it made me realize that it's okay to speak up and it's okay to talk about it. But of course, after that, there isn't always that big projector that's telling your story over the whole entire city for everyone to see. Yeah. So it takes time again. And um, I remember it was probably like a year after that was when I actually opened up to my parents and told them. And that was a big step. I remember I was so yeah. nervous. I, yeah, like I was freaking out. And but it was again, like it helped me overcome that obstacle. And then um, over time and obviously leading into now, like being able to share everything about myself and be such an open book throughout social media and for everyone and allow myself to have amazing conversations with people like yourself like it is it's such a big step and people don't realize or I should say not all people realize how important it is and how like how much we need to normalize the topic of mental health and the struggles behind it and just like everything within the topic like whether it be whether it be diseases whether it be self-harm suicidal thoughts whatever it may be I think it is so important that we're transparent with it and that we're open to talk about it and like I want to be able to walk down the street and just be like hey yeah like this is what I've been through but like look at me now and I think that's where a lot of people want to be. And that's exactly what this platform is. What I want to do is ultimately just, again, prove that every single person has a story and there's no reason to shame someone for what they've done in the past or even what they're going through. Like you're not in that person's body. You're not in their mind. You don't know what's going through their head. You don't know how they're reacting to certain situations. So that's why I always say like, you have to treat every single person like, or you have to obviously equally, but almost in a sense that they could be going through something horrible and yeah. like, just always be kind because you yeah. never know what somebody's going through. And that is something I think I will always, I hope that I always live by because it's so important just to, just to truly care for people and whether you know them or don't know them, everyone has a story and they could be the exact same as yours. And you just, you really never know. And that's one yeah. of the biggest things, especially that I've learned from this podcast. And especially today, like I've related so much to your story and I mean, we've known each other for so many years, yeah. but never in a million years. Like I didn't think that we would have so many, so many things in common with our stories. And yeah. just to hear you talk about all of this is, it's blown me away and uh, yeah it's just well, it's crazy like, it was even like because like like knowing you from before I was like oh like 
I was like, oh, Lucas, like, he's like this cool hockey guy. Like he's got it made, like, you know, like I never, ever in a million years, like, and before you start talking about it, like, I never would have guessed that like you had those struggles either. And like, when I first opened up to my teammates about it, they were shocked. Like they had no idea. And like, sorry, backtracking, just like with, when I stopped going to soccer practice and like things like that, like that was also so hard because I felt like I was letting my family down. Like I, like my teammates were my family, like they mean the world to me. And I just was like, I'm such a disappointment to them. And when I finally like talked to them, they were like, oh my God, like, what? like you always have a smile on your face you're always so happy and bubbly and like this joy like in my first year we had like these rookie awards and the award I won was the nicest person on the team <laughs> like mm -hmm. it was like something like that and I was like like no one had any idea not a single clue and it was like almost the same realization for me too because I was like I'd always been such a happy person and then all of a sudden I wasn't and it's like, I just like, people need to know, like, that's okay. Like, mm. that's completely okay. Like that's nor, mm. yeah, <laughs> that's like, I want to, I want to like normalize it. Like, like it's okay to go through things, you know? No, hundred yeah. percent. And it, and it is like, that's just, it's the harsh reality of life. And I mean, I'm still, there's still so many things that I'm trying to figure out about myself and all of these podcasts help me learn more about myself and like your tip of your tips of advice make me look into my life and think about what I need to do better and same with every podcast like that's why I always ask for tips and quotes in every single podcast because I want to know what's worked for people because maybe I can take that into my life and maybe it'll help me and then obviously because it can help others but it's just the fact of that your story will help someone my story will help someone and everyone's story will help someone because there's always somebody that will relate to these podcasts and always somebody that's going through something and there's yeah there's just a million yeah. a million different things that people don't always think about on an everyday basis but I mean some of us that struggle with anxiety that's all that we think about is the million things that are roaming around yeah, every right? little thing is the end <laughs> of the world like it's exactly. every little thing is going to destroy your social everything yeah yeah okay. um, um yeah oh, sorry go ahead one thing i really 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 want to emphasize emphasize is just to any like athletes or student athletes or just like um, varsity athletes like list if any one of you happens to fall into that category listening to this like I think that athlete mental health is really pushed aside and really pushed under the rug and something mental health isn't really talked about a lot to begin with but this is one area that I think is extremely um, ignored mm -hmm. just because like it's like people look, this sounds so, even now I'm like, oh, this sounds so stupid. It's not stupid. Um, people like look at varsity athletes. Like I know people would look at me. They're like, you're a varsity athlete. You have a scholarship. Like you have a boyfriend. Like you, you get lots of playing time, like blah, blah, blah. Like you have it made. Like, what are you upset about? Like 
like you can still go through it too. Like, and that's sometimes it makes it worse. Like depending on what your team environment is, like it can make it worse. And like, in my case, like there were aspects of the environment that I was in that 110% made it so much worse. And like, I just really want, hopefully in the future for there to be like more support um, there for athletes struggling with it. Because just being in that setting, yes, your, your team is your family, but they're also your competition. And I found myself not wanting to look weak in front of them because yes, like they're like my sisters, but I was like, I can't be weak. She'll take my playing spot next week. You know, like you don't want to show any weakness. You don't want to show any vulnerability or anything like that. But I think it's so important to like, like my team was there for me and they helped me so much once they knew. And I had girls come to me and be like, you, you speaking up helped me. I'm struggling with this. Like I'm obviously not there playing soccer right now. Um, but there was a girl that came to me and was like, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I need help with. I don't know what to do. Like you're the only person I know to turn to. And like that to me just made it so much more worth it. Like opening up to them because I feel like so many athletes struggle with it. Like so such a high percentage of athletes struggle with it, but it goes so unnoticed and so untalked about. And it's just like, I really, really want to bring attention to varsity athlete mental um, health awareness. Oh, absolutely. And even like touching on that, just within sport, that is like the most true thing ever. And Mm -hmm. I know even like for myself um, and like Nick too, like every person that I know, they will always talk about um, the standards that you're held to. And that is one of the biggest things is, and it's almost self standards too. Like when you're playing, like you're not playing to be the worst, like obviously you want to be the best you can possibly be and play as much as you possibly can. And contribute to your team's success as much as you possibly can and when you're getting all these opportunities it's awesome and it feels great and maybe yeah your confidence is going up but at the same time the second you slip and it's your yeah your world basically comes down and it's it's brutal and not it's not talked about enough and um I know it's one of the biggest things that I always talk about and try to advocate is more help within sport. And I mean, yeah, like we are doing more, but there's so much more that could be done. And it's even just knowing that you have someone to run to at all times, like on, on some of my teams. Yes. I knew that I could go talk and be open with my coaches or different players or, some professional but on other teams I had no idea where to go what to do um and ultimately it made me leave some teams because I just I wanted that professional help there and accessible kind of at all times because it's stressful being a high level athlete and trying to balance different things on top of it as well like when you're a high level athlete and you're trying to focus on your life as well. The two just don't necessarily go hand in hand. <laughs> you have to pick one or the two, like one of the two. And that's kind of how it goes, but not everyone realizes that. And 
yeah, I just think, I think uh, more help kind of needs to be available right to like right in your fingertips for athletes and especially like oh honestly just any athlete high level or low level I think just needs to be there it's like when you're physically taxing your body to the to the extent that that we are Mm. um on top of perhaps being in university and taking full course loads and stuff like that like it's so incredibly easy for that mental piece to slip. And once it starts slipping, it's, and you don't have that immediate help, like a sports, like even just like, like a team sports psychologist or anything like that. Like if you don't have access to that, like it, it can be very, like in my case, like it was so incredibly detrimental to my mental health. Like it, Mm -hmm. once it started slipping, it was basically gone. Like I didn't know how to get it back. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. So I just have one last question and it's not even a question. It's just where could, where could anyone or everyone reach you at if they want to obviously relate to you or just show you support and thank you for coming on this podcast? Um, probably my Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, my name is hard to spell, but <laughs> it's Jacobson. That's my Instagram. It's not private. It's public. It's open. Uh, my DMs are, that sounds so weird. My DMs <laughs> open if you ever want to, if you ever want to talk about anything, if you related to anything, like I'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. This is something I could talk about forever. Like I literally yeah. just go on about, and like, I want to hear other people's like side of things. And mm-hmm. if, like anyone had any suggestions for me or like any questions, like I would love to hear from them. No, absolutely. Yeah. And again, like words cannot describe how thankful I am for you coming on. And I'm, I'm super excited to release this podcast because it's, it's one that obviously hits home mm-hmm. and it's one that it's one that I think a lot of people relate to in some form or another. And a lot of people will gain some great tips of advice or just gain a better insight of who you actually are, because mm-hmm. I mean, it, it allows people to understand you and understand your story. And yeah, you know, it's amazing. And you have an amazing story. And I'm, I'm just, again, so fortunate to have you come on the platform, share your story and just prove that everyone does have a story. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. That This was great. This was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Well, we'll 100% have to connect soon. And yes. all the COVID stuff isn't as harsh or bad yeah. or not in some crazy lockdown, then we'll have to just catch up, go for coffee. And yeah, we should go to third space. <laughs> have you been to third space? Like with a little mental health? Like, wow, yeah, they actually, yeah. That. Third space charity. They just, they, um, yeah, they've followed me on, Instagram, they have something, they have a great project going as well, which is, which is awesome. But 100% we should go. 100%. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Like, I get to talk about this forever. I I totally agree. I have a million things that I could continue saying, but I feel like we would be sitting here for hours on end. Oh, yeah. People would be like, what the heck is this over? (laughs) No kidding. Okay. Well, it was awesome talking to you. And again, thank you so much. Yes, of course. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. See you. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Struggle Creates Strength. I hope everyone enjoyed Mikaela's story and I encourage you to reach out to her and share the support that she deserves. 
If you want to reach out to me or come on the podcast, you're more than welcome to at Struggle Create Strength on both Instagram and Facebook. Or you can also reach me on my website at strugglecreatestrength.com. All podcasts are posted on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, and additional posts are posted on Instagram as well. Also, if you go to Struggle Create Strength on Instagram right now, you will see that we are doing a huge giveaway, which is sponsored by Rebecca Aiken of The Aiken Group. This giveaway features AirPod Pros, a Struggle Create Strength t-shirt, and more. It is so exciting, and the winner will be announced on December 12th, so be sure to go enter to win today. Thank you so much for listening, and just remember that everyone has a story. Thank you.